How many of you know that God's agenda is his own timetable? Okay. And so um, I don't apologize, but I just want to tell you, we're going to go a little past 1230 this morning because the worship was amazing. The sharing was amazing. The prayer was amazing. And so if you will, everybody just stand up and stretch for a minute because um, I promise to be finished by 1.30. And uh... All right, take a good stretch. This morning is the last in the series. It's called New Life Resolutions. If we can get the PowerPoint slides up, please. Um, we've talked about five different uh, parts uh, of this. Uh, this morning's message is called Living Supernaturally. Living Supernaturally. Next slide, please. It talks about how to treat your enemies. Believe me, to biblically treat your enemies in a biblically appropriate way is supernatural. We talked about that at the congregational meeting, didn't we? Scripture records, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Does anybody want to give up on the believing life yet? Next slide. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5, verses 43 to 48. And so next slide, here's the problem. Becoming a Romans 12 believer is not difficult, it's impossible. Living the believer's life is not difficult, it's impossible. There's only one who ever did it, and that's the Messiah. And the only way we can do it is to have him live his life through us. And that, dear ones, is a supernatural event. It's very interesting, you know, last Last week, as many of you know, I was at a, uh, a conference in Berlin, Germany. Uh, congregational leaders from all over Europe, England, France, Finland, Poland, Germany. There were about 15 or 16 of us. The number would have been doubled except the conference was in English and the other people who wanted to come um, spoke a number of different languages and we just didn't have enough interpreters. I was able to go one day before the conference Took a walking tour of Berlin, saw the Brandenburg Gate, you got to see that. Saw Checkpoint Charlie, which has now become a tourist spot. Stood in a parking lot under which was the bunker where Adolf Hitler committed suicide. Then had three days of conference. And then the last day, I also had another day, and I went to a concentration camp. It's called Sachsenhausen. You don't have to remember the name. It was the camp, actually, where they tested the gases for the gas chambers. And I remember the one spot where we walked in, and you could see the foundation of the killing room. It was about, I'd say, twice the square footage of this sanctuary. It was square. There was a place where you would walk in. 
Then there was a room that had a fake drain in it. That was the gas chamber where 60 people standing up could fit comfortably, but they said that historically 100 to 200 people would be in there crammed together like sardines and gassed. Then there was a walkway where prisoners took the dead bodies and laid them in another big room. And from that room next to it was the crematoria. And I said to myself, if the message this morning is going to be a true one, then I've got to apply it to what I just saw. Bless those who curse you. Forgive those who spitefully use you. It, it, it came home to me in ways that no amount of reading or scripture or hearing it from a preacher from a pulpit could do. It was right there in front of me. The evil of the world, and yet I'm commanded to bless those who act evilly. Dear ones, Becoming a Romans 12 believer is not difficult. It is impossible. It cannot be done without the power of God. Next slide, please. So let's review Romans 12. Overall, the commands and the instructions of Romans 12 are our faith response to Romans chapters 1 through 11, which speaks of God's grace and speaks of God's mercy toward us. Next slide, please. Romans 12 believers focus on relationships, not rules or regulations or religious activity. A Romans 12 believer understands that the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love your neighbor. It's a vertical relationship and a horizontal relationship. One without the other cannot exist in a true form. Relationships, not rules, regulations, or religious activity are what's important to God our Father. Next slide, please. A Romans 12 believer's highest aim is love. Loving God through a surrendered life. That was the first message in this series. Loving God through a surrendered life. Next slide. A Romans 12 believer's highest aim is love, and it's refusing to love the world's false promises. It's to take a sober look at yourself and the world around you, and be truthful with yourself and about the world around you. Next slide, please. A Romans 12 believer's highest aim is love in that we are to love ourselves for who God made us to be. And I find, and Tina finds, in our counseling that the ability for people to love themselves is the hardest thing for a believer to do because the world has told them, who do you think you are? The world has told them, how can God love you? Look at your past. The world has told them, who do you think you are? Don't you remember what you did Tuesday at 11 o'clock to your coworker? And yet we are to love ourselves because we are made in the image and likeness of God. And no matter what we've done, are doing, or will be doing, as long as we are committed to making sure that God is the God of our life, as long as we are committed to repentance and changing our evil ways, as long as we are committed to confessing the sins that we have made, then God loves us just like God loved King David. We are people after God's own heart. Next slide, please. 
or Romans 12, believers' highest aim is love. That is, loving fellow believers through sacrificial service. Or Romans 12, believer serves others because in serving others, they make themselves healthy. As the congregation is healthy, each individual member is healthy. God does not give us a spiritual gift to put it in our pocket and wait for a rainy day. God gives us a spiritual gift or gifts to be used to encourage, to uplift, to build, and to serve the family of God, like the family at Son of David Congregation. And next slide. We are to be loving by loving our enemies supernaturally, returning good for evil. Anybody make you mad this week? Now, if, if, if your hand isn't held up in your heart right now saying, yeah, somebody made me mad, then you're just not admitting the truth. I can't go a day without somebody making me mad. Sometimes it's their fault. Sometimes it's my fault. But the scripture tells us that we are not to return evil for evil, but we are to return good for evil. To which I say, are you sure? <laughs> it is a supernatural life that we are told to live. Not a fleshly life. Not a worldly life. Not a life that is focused on fame, power, money. No, it's a life that's focused on God and his love for his creation, whether just or unjust, righteous or unrighteous. Because every creature on the face of the earth was created by a holy God. And it's our duty, supernaturally, to show love to everyone that we come across, good or bad. And so next slide, Romans 12, 14 to 21, supernaturally responding to evil. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Next slide, please. Bless those who persecute you. The first step is forgiveness. Romans 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do you know you can forgive somebody without them even knowing they've been forgiven? 
Did you know that forgiveness is not for the person you're forgiving, but it's for you? Did you know that the jail of unforgiveness is not the jail of the person who's done you wrong, but the jail that you sit in watching out at the person who's done you wrong? And do you know that that was even God's paradigm? Because he forgave the entire world so that he could have fellowship with us. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I want you to think of a time maybe in your life when someone has done you wrong and in your heart you have forgiven them unto the Lord and the next time you see them, they expect you to come at them with vengeance and instead you come at them with the love of God. What does it do to them? Rattles their paradigm. Wow, that person is treating me with love even though I treated them the way I did? This is what probably is going on in their mind. They're probably saying to themselves, what's with them? What is it that they can do that and and I can't? Dear ones, it's a witness, not just a blessing for yourself when you forgive others. No, it's a witness to others that they would see the love of God. Next slide. The second step is identification, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Please notice it does not say give advice to everyone who's in trouble. Because I have some very startling and truthful news to you. If I ever tell you that I'm in a bad way, I don't want your advice, I just want your ear. How many men here are married? Okay, here is lesson number one when dealing with your wife. They don't want your help unless they ask for it. What they want is a voice that is heard. How many of you read the book of Job? Oh, you guys are just all into depression, I'm telling you. (laughs) What was the first thing that Job's friends did that was wrong? They opened up their mouths. They opened up their mouths and they start telling Job all the reasons why he was being oppressed, all the reasons why all the bad things were going on to him. Sometimes people just need to have company wherever they're at, whether they are rejoicing or grieving. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice. And we are to weep with those who weep. Next slide, please. We are also supposed to understand our association with others. Verse 16 Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. The words stuck up do not appear in Scripture, except in a negative context. We are to understand that whether we are Albert Einstein or the one who cleans the stadium after the Redskins game, which, by the way, isn't a very hard job anymore because nobody goes to the Redskins game. (laughs) Sometimes things just come into my head and they come out of my mouth and I just associate with me, you know. 
We're all created in the image of God. Each one has a purpose. Each one has a gift. Each one has a calling. If we would only answer the calling of God, invite him in our heart, and become part of the family of God. But dear ones, just because someone has a degree, don't think of yourself any more highly than anybody else. But approach your neighbor, approach your brother, approach your sister humbly with an attitude of grace, with an attitude of love, and with an attitude that God gave that person a gift for a specific reason, just like he's given you a gift for a specific reason. Not one greater than another, but one in coordination with another. And next slide. We have to understand that retaliation is a forbidden response. I'm just going to let that sink in a minute. Retaliation is a forbidden response. Verses 17 and 18. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Two things I want you to see from these two verses. Number one, these verses speak of our witness. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. You know the old saying, you know, you you don't have to bring a Bible because you're the Bible. Just open up your heart. It's a wonderful saying. It's not true. (laughs) But it does speak of our witness. And even in the face of evil, even in the face of persecution, if our witness is a witness of the love of God, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. And secondly, you can't be friends with everybody. I can't be friends with everybody. I can't have a personal absolutely open and trustworthy relationship with everybody in this room. It's impossible. Even Yeshua had three who were closest to him, and then a group around them, and then another group around them. Was he any less loving to any of those people? No, but he was more intimate with the intimate group. Last week in Germany, as I met with congregational leaders, and two and a half weeks before, as I met with congregational leaders in New York City, one of the things that came up that every congregational leader has to deal with is that everybody in their congregation thinks that the congregational leader is supposed to be their best friend. I can't be everybody's best friend. Just like you can't be everybody's best friend. I especially can't be best friends with people who continually denigrate me. I'm not talking about Son of David. I'm just talking about in the world in general. But as much as is possible with me, the scripture enjoins me to live peaceably with everybody and not retaliate. And boy, was that my M.O. 20 years ago, even as a believer, because I had learned it very well as a non-believer. And guess what? I was very good at it. I've got a quick wit. I've got a loud mouth. I'm taller than most people and bigger than most people. I can intimidate and I can retaliate. 
And I had to learn my lesson very quickly by humbling myself before the congregation some 20 years ago when we still met out near the Gaithersburg Air Park and confess my sin of pride and confess my sin of trying to get over on people. It is not scriptural. It does not make for a family. No, retaliation is a forbidden response. We are to be peaceably living as best as we can with all men. Next slide, please. And so why is retaliation forbidden? Verses 19 to 20. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. See, there's a place for vengeance, but not in the heart of the believer. For it is written, this is Leviticus 19.18 and also Deuteronomy 32.35, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. There is one who has the right, the understanding, the privilege, and the, and, and, and the royal authority to determine when to avenge and when not to avenge, when to judge and when not to judge, and how to do it and in what proportion. And dear ones, it's not us. It's not us. Verse 20, therefore, if your, enemies hung, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, I don't want you to take this liturgy literally and make sure that you've got a closet in your house with food and drink to give to people who deal badly with you. This is supposed to be understood metaphorically. And I'll give you a very simple example. About six or seven years ago, right after our family returned from Israel, someone outside of the congregation but in the believing community came up to me and started spitting out venom against me and my family in ways and with words that I cannot speak in this sanctuary this morning. And this is what I said to that person. Why are you so angry today? Not why are you angry at me? You see, I was just the convenient object of the anger. Why are you so angry today? And this man as tall as I was, began to weep and said, I am so sorry, and then told me what had happened in his house the day before. Because he had come to curse me, but I went to bless him. He had come as an enemy. I wanted to feed him. And my feeding him was to get him to understand that he needed to deal with the anger and not with me. Do you follow what I'm saying? To be a judge is God's role. When we try to be a judge, it is ineffective in bringing peace. Next slide, please. And finally, good will overcome evil. Good will overcome evil. Boy, that's a hard concept to, to, to understand and to take in, especially with what's going on in our world today. 
Some of us live in Virginia. If you live in Virginia, raise your hand. Virginia has become a national spectacle overnight. It's, it's amazing. White men in blackface. Black men being accused of sexual assault. Other white men in blackface. The one who's supposed to resign is going to be taken over by the one who did the sexual assault. Now he can't resign. Now everybody is proposing that there be uh, mass resignations. And the Democratic Party is freaking out. I don't make political statements. This is just a fact. The Democratic Party is freaking out because the fourth in charge is a Republican. And I'm not even going to go into what's going on in the Senate and the House. Yes. I can't even speak of that without my throat tightening up. The killing of the unborn. But we are not to overcome evil with evil. We are to overcome evil with good. And overcoming evil with good does not mean slamming the evil of other people in their face. Yes, we are to abhor what is evil and to cling what is good, but it doesn't mean to throw it in someone's face. It means to be a witness for what is good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil for good. So let me close with this next slide, some things to think about. How are we to respond to personal attack and injustice according to Romans 12? 14 to 21. How are you supposed to respond? Maybe there was an incident this past week where you responded properly or responded improperly. Maybe it's time to take a good, close, honest look at yourself to see how you react to bad things. Next slide. Another question. How did Yeshua model this concept of overcoming evil with good in his life and in his death? You remember the story of the woman of the well? Legally, he could have had her stoned to death. What did he say? Go and sin no more. He recognized the sin, but also gave place for repentance. We need to do that in our life as well. Next slide. Think about what person or persons or circumstance or circumstances in your life have you had the greatest difficulty in blessing? as defined in Romans 12, 14 to 21, because those times will reappear over and over and over again. Those chances for you to act biblically and not in the flesh will reappear to you over and over and over again. And do you know why? God's continually giving you a chance to do it the right way. Next slide. Have you ever gained any new insights to help you deal with the evil or injustice you may have experienced in the past? Have you ever had somebody treat you with love, though you mistreated them, and has that made an impact in your life? And then next slide. What do you think is your first step or steps in overcoming evil with good. Next slide, Proverbs 25, verses 21 to 22. This is where Paul got the verses. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. 
for so you will heap coals of fire on his head. And the Lord will reward you. Let's pray. Avinu Malkeinu Shabbat our Father and our King in heaven. Only with you can the impossible be done in our life. To love our enemies just as we love our friends. Only with you, Father God, can we be a witness to the world that evil will not be overcome by evil, but that it will be overcome by good. And it's a witness and a lesson that we need to remember, that the world needs to remember, because in the end, evil will be overcome by good. And Father, would you just help us in the everyday activities of our lives? That even in the small things, we may be a Romans 12 believer, a witness to those around us, and a joy in you. In all this I pray, in Yeshua's name, amen.